Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink... Consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more. Only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. You receive 125% sign up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. Bet U.S. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show, hour two on a Thursday. It's me, it's Dan, it's David, it's all of you. It's Chris Marler, an hour one at least. And um, Chris Marler from Saturday Down South uh, as we bounced all around the SEC. Coming up in, oh gosh, about 10 minutes or so. We're going to drill down a little bit closer. Uh, Texas A&M is back out on the field this weekend. They are hosting the Auburn Tigers. Our good friend Olin Buchanan from texags.com, T-E-X-A-G-S, texags.com. Olin is stopping by. Bottom of the hour, uh, we're going to stay in the Lone Star State. Taylor Estes from 24-7 Sports. Uh, We had her on probably about three weeks ago before OU uh, Texas played, and it's a little different uh, environment around there right now. In fact, uh, I don't know, did y'all hear about this? Uh, Sark and a wide receiver getting into that little uh, spitting match at the end of practice. They've They've got discord. Let's just call it that. So, And they're also above average on the field. I, I would say that that's probably a welcome distraction from the other bit of news that came out around their program this week. Yeah, they've got um, they've got issues, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, so we'll have Taylor Estes on again from 247. She does a great job there. That will be uh, bottom of this hour. But right now, we'll get you up to date. Everything you need to know about college football every single day. This is CFB 365. 
Well, we got coaches coming and going, but I would rather light a candle than curse the darkness. So we will start with P.J. Fleck. Headline, Minnesota, Minnesota extends football coach P.J. Fleck through 2028 season. It'll go through his contract. will run through the end of January 2029. He was earning about $4.5 million. Um, He'll get a raise. He gets more years. Uh, He already had a 10-year deal back when he signed, I believe it was, uh, or seven-year deal that they then extended. He was hired at Minnesota in January uh, 2017. 11-win season two years ago, and uh, his raise for 2022, which is when this contract will actually kind of kick in, be $300,000, go up $100,000 each year, blah, 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 about $5 million a year. Point is that P.J. Fleck and Minnesota are at least playing the uh, the public game of, hey, we're committed to each other. And maybe they will be. Ever so often, there is someone who just doesn't look to leave. Usually, it's unusual circumstances or at least predictable. Let me say that, predictable, like you know, Pat Fitzgerald, he's home. Uh, but P.J. Fleck and Minnesota, maybe they have found a nice, um, a nice marriage there. Not the case in Akron, Ohio. Headline, Akron Fires coach Tom Arth after posting 3-24 record. 27 games as head coach. It's two and a half seasons, basically. Um, He is in the middle of his third season and actually got two of those dubs this year. But 3-24, and and there's nothing going on. Um, They're going to let the linebackers coach be the interim. So the only reason I mention that is maybe there's an Akron grad listening, but the only reason I mention that is because where our footprint is, ACC, SEC, et cetera, this is where the MAC may come looking for a coordinator, or honestly, even a position coach, uh, to run that program. So Akron, I mean, most recently they had some success with Terry Bowden. He wasn't even coach. He was at, uh, what, North Alabama, I guess. He'd been out of coaching ESPN, got back in the game, whatever. But um, they're going to come hire one of your assistant coaches is why I'm bringing that up. Final headline, Florida QB Richardson doubtful versus South Carolina. He is Anthony Richardson. He is recovering from a concussion. This is, I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're playing monkey business with somebody's health or health reports or rumors or whatever. He got knocked out of the game Saturday. He got a lot of hits. Um, he was diagnosed with a concussion, sat out practice Monday or Tuesday. I'm not saying it's monkey business with his health or health status. What I'm saying is this is a very ready-made opportunity if he does, in fact, have any condition that would lend a coach to holding him out of the game. It's a ready-made opportunity for Emory Jones to be reinstalled as the starting quarterback and from only go, hey, AR's out this week, so they would have battled it out in the best game. But you know what, Emory, boom, he's right back there. At this point, Dan Mullen has pulled both of his starting quarterbacks. Um, and again, uh, injury, he's hurt. He's, mm-hmm, he was coming out. The LSU game last week. Florida fans, I give them credit. Very consistent with what they wanted and then finally got it, and it did not work. Understand the frustration with Emory Jones and the stalled-out nature and the very methodical Jurassic pace of that offense with Emory Jones. However, playing quarterback in the SEC, it is not the easiest thing for almost anyone. And Anthony Richardson, as a redshirt freshman, um, it it wasn't going to be easy. And it showed against Georgia. He's really talented. Like, he's different level SEC talented. 
the redshirt freshman playing against Georgia, so it's tough. Uh, they go on the road and have an opportunity to get a win Saturday for sure. All right, consider yourself up to date. We will break, come back, talk with Olin Buchanan about Texas A&M as they prepare for Auburn. King of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now, more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states. 55 sticks, dealing it out two hours a day. Appreciate everybody making that possible. The Chuck Oliver Show. And welcome on a good friend of mine who covers Texas A&M. And Aggies return to the field this weekend, take on Auburn. And we were talking yesterday about the the idea of confidence and how a quarterback gets that because height, strength, you know, arm strength, all, whatever, all that's real and it matters. I'm telling you, man, between the quarterback's ears, What's going on in that gray matter? Confidence, not arrogance, not, uh, you know, boy, I can get that ball in there. I'm saying confidence. It can change everything. And a combination of, in my opinion, the Haynes King announcement, yeah, he's not coming back. Zach, it's all on you. I think a combination of that becoming official and the fact that he had gone out there and played more football, um, Zach Calzada looks like a more confident quarterback than, for instance, against Colorado. Want to welcome on now? guy that we always love turning to when it comes time to talk Aggies from TexAgs.com. It is Olin Buchanan. Olin, how are you today? Uh, doing well. Looking forward to a big game in about uh, 48 hours. And it absolutely is a huge game. Um, talk about something that I brought up yesterday about you know, we played some Jimbo clips talking about coming off the bye week and what they were working on. Um, I was all drilling down on Zach Calzada because that looks like a he's not perfect. He's not finished by any stretch of the imagination, but he's different than he was against Colorado, isn't he? Uh, yeah, like night and day. Uh, yeah, he he just quite wasn't quite ready against Colorado, and I think that um, you know I think he was nervous. Uh, I think he was throwing everything high. He was overthrowing things, and uh, but he still made some some big plays to win that game. Uh, but I think as the more uh, action he's gotten, the more uh, time, as Jimbo likes to say, time in the saddle he's gotten. He's uh, he settled down. Uh, you know, he played like a Heisman Trophy contender against Alabama. They hadn't played to that uh, level since then, but he's been good. He's been a good, solid game manager. And quite frankly, his biggest issue at this point seems to be uh, learning to put some touch on the swing passes and screen passes because mm-hmm. sometimes he's throwing you know fastballs when a when a changeup will do. Well, let's talk about their ability to run the ball because even in his best, even against Alabama, there were some huge plays. Um, man, that offense hums when it's when it's just chewing people up. And Spiller's gone for a hundred, I think, three of the last four. Uh, the ground game is really starting to look like maybe some people were thinking it could. Yeah, they've been running the football pretty well uh, since the Mississippi State game. I think they ran it well against Alabama considering – I mean, they only had like 94 yards, but considering that was Alabama, it was the second highest total against Alabama this year. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's starting to look kind of like they did last year. And a big part of that uh, – well, there's two things. First of all, Zach getting better uh, forces uh, defenses to at least – uh, respect the threat of the pass. And then, uh, you know, they had so many injuries early in the offensive line. They got Layden Robinson back in there, and now they've got a couple of 
true freshmen that have played about six games in the offensive oh, line. Yeah. So, so they're growing up a little bit. So, and then moving um, Kenyon Green from tackle back to left guard, where he was an All American last year, and I think it's starting to come together for him. Help me remember, because the idea was for him to play left tackle, and then he wound up playing on the right side some. But now he's he is back inside. Right. He was. We thought he'd be the left tackle, but uh, once uh, Jameer Johnson. Uh, transferred in from Tennessee and they started working with him. They felt like he was just better. He played better on the left side. Uh, So I thought, well, Kenyon's good enough to play anywhere. So they put him at the right tackle. Um, But then they had the injuries inside. Uh, They had another guy who's they really feel like is going to be a good player in Akinola Goomby, but might not be ready just yet. Uh, So they just started juggling the lineup and uh, trying to, get the best combination and the best combinations with Kenyon green at left guard was where, like I said, he was an all American there last year. He's their best offensive lineman. I think that's his best position. Flip it around to defense and the past two games, the Aggies gave up 28 points combined and then they had an off week. Um, what do you expect from the defense on Saturday and they're at home? Yeah. Well, I mean, I expect them to play well. Um, you know, they were very dominant uh, in their last game against South Carolina, and you can just, well, it was South Carolina. They're struggling, uh, and that's fair. Uh, Missouri didn't run that well on them. I think they had one really good running play that went for a touchdown, but other than that, uh, they pretty much shut down Missouri's running game. So they've been playing really well against the run. Uh, still some holes in the secondary, particularly in the middle of the field, uh, and I'm sure they spent a lot of time over the over the last two weeks trying to, to, to close that up. But, uh, you know, overall, I think the defense is playing well. I mean, it's hard not to look at them and feel like uh, they've done a good job. I even thought, you know, again, considering who they were playing, that they did a pretty decent job against Alabama. Backyard Bo, uh, that is the quarterback they'll be facing this week. And good Backyard Bo, it's all positive. It's no turnovers, bad Backyard Bo. I mean, you don't watch him week to week, but, you know, a 14-yard loss, a 17-yard loss, that kind of stuff happens. Um, talk about the challenge and maybe even the opportunity for the Texas A&M defense against him. Well, you know, that you sure would like to see bad Bo because I've never seen him yet. Uh, true, you know, last true. year, I remember uh, Bobby Brown looked like he had him, you know, for a sack. Yeah, and uh, he threw off those 320 pounds of Bobby Brown and just ran for a touchdown. So uh, I don't know how other people feel about uh, Bo Nix, but everybody in College Station respects him and his game because he played pretty well against the Aggies. Um, I think uh, keeping him from making plays off schedule, especially with his legs, is a is a big key for A and M, uh, and if they're going to win the game, um, again they're hoping for bad Bo. Now I know in this history, Bo has had some issues on the road, but uh, I was looking at it. It looks like he's been playing pretty good yeah. on the road this year, so he's figured that out. Uh, matchup specifically I want to ask you about the Auburn receivers against the A&M secondary and it's it's advantage A&M regardless but Kobe Hudson is probably the leader there he's been trying to emerge but he's still inconsistent Demetrius Robertson can run real fast in a straight line um, and he's probably that's that's a lot of his skill set and he's probably their number two um, this to me looks like major advantage Texas A&M if you agree with that tell me how then that will transpire how that will affect the front seven against the ground game because that's a little bit of a trap well i don't know if it's a major advantage uh because all you got to do is find a, a couple of matchups that you like on the play and quite frankly uh i expect bull nicks to be throwing a lot at tyreek chapel the true freshman yeah. cornerback that uh 
was third string, and then the Miles Jones got hurt, and then his backup, Brian George, got hurt, and now you're down to a third-string true freshman. So uh, I would expect that that, that, that Auburn's going to challenge him um, uh, every time they throw the ball, or just about. So if he proves up to the challenge, then I will pretty much like A&M's matchups uh, just about everywhere else with the safeties are good. Antonio Johnson at Nichols has turned into maybe A&M's second best defensive players. And Jalen Jones is a, is a pretty solid corner on the other side. And Johnson, young kid as well. Um, last thing for you, if you could just give us a quick, uh, not through the depth chart or anything like that through the two deep, but any uh, notable injuries or people who the, the bye week was real good for coming back? I think the guy that was really good for coming back is uh, um, Tyree Johnson. He leads the team in sacks. He has uh, six, five in the last three games, and he uh, uh, tweaked an ankle or something uh, in that last game, was in a boot for a while. But uh, we're told that uh, he's 100% ready to go. And a receiver, Caleb Chapman, has been in and out of Mm -hmm. the lineup and uh, uh, been struggling a little bit. But I think uh, he's ready to go after getting that extra week off. Okay, is Chase Lane 100% healthy? Um, I think so. I haven't heard about him being injured. Okay. I, they just haven't been throwing to him a lot this year. Okay, well, that was why I was asking. Uh, you know, yeah. Because not getting a lot of run out there. All right, Olin, I appreciate it as always, man. Thank you. You bet, Chuck. Yeah, uh, Olin Buchanan, com. He's talking about Tyree Johnson. There's another kid, um, Washington, D.C., which – Philadelphia, Washington, there are a couple of places in the Northeast where in Washington, D.C., that's Northern Virginia. But um, as you get further into the Northeast, there are some real, I don't want to say hotbeds, but yeah, places where college football powers can go. Hansford's from there as well, a linebacker, um, where college football powers can go pretty regularly and get studs that can change, for instance, SEC uh, caliber games. But um I was asking about the secondary there in Auburn's receivers, and um, they've got they've got some youth there. And he mentioned them: the nickel, the kid's a sophomore, the one corner who stepped in Chapel as a freshman. But when you look at Auburn's receivers, and I don't think it's me being negative, but I found this a very provocative statement that they're still a group that overall they're emerging. Um, John Samuel Schinker, the first I don't know four or five whatever the games were, we could look it up, but. Um, he was as reliable a receiver as there was, and maybe as Hudson has taken over and they've gone more perimeter, maybe some more with the backs, because um, Bigsby got involved more last week than than his role has kind of de-emphasized over the last couple of weeks. But they don't have a deep roster of experienced receivers to really pressure you downfield, and that's how you win. You pressure people on the perimeter downfield. Um, Johnson coming back, um, big speed element there, again, mostly in the slot. But uh, it's just not its not an experienced and talented group. They've got talent. You've got a scholarship to Auburn, but it's not experienced. And that's that last thing that separates uh, setting a guy up for a double move or having just experience with the quarterback more so than you have now. Then that's how you take that next step. And when you're not working with the quarterback and you're not playing on Saturdays and getting live game reps and then producing – uh, it is hard to get that down. And, again, going on the road, I don't think the environment's going to spook anybody on Auburn's team, but it is an advantage for Texas A&M. It, 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 it's not a psychological thing. It may be a punt goes out of bounds on the eight-yard line, Bo walks up to the line of scrimmage, and literally the guard can't hear Not the tackle. Guard can't hear him. False start. See, that could happen, but it's not going to be because guys looking at you know, 
I don't know, Bradarius Ham looks around and is thinking, oh my gosh, there's a lot of people here. I think I'll jump off sides. It's not how it works. But advantage Texas A&M. It's going to be a very, very difficult game for Auburn to go out there and continue the nice runs that they've gotten on and gotten some people's attention. It's all about football now, pro and college. Lines for this week are coming your way. Hi, I'm Dan Matthews for BetUS, and let's get to some of those odds. How about we start with Auburn at Texas A&M. Aggies are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Aggies are also minus 200 on the money line. Tigers plus 170. Over-under is 49-and-a-half. LSU, a huge underdog at Alabama. Crimson Tide, a 28-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under is 66 and a hook. North Carolina State on the road against Florida State. Wolfpack are just a two and a half point favorite against the Knolls. Money line is minus 135 for NC State. The Knolls are plus 115 over under 55 and a half. Wake Forest, believe it or not, a road underdog at struggling North Carolina. The Tar Heels favored by two and a hook. Demon Deacons are plus 115 on the money line at UNC minus 135 over under is 76 and a half. Let's head to the pros as the Bengals, a two and a half point favorite at home for the in-state Browns. Cincinnati is minus 130 money line at Cleveland is plus 110 over under 47 points. Steelers are a six and a half point favorite on Monday night for the Bears as Pittsburgh is minus 265 money line at Chicago plus 225 over under is 40. How about a chance to make some money when you sign up with BetUS? How about you enter the promo code SST125 with this promo code BetUS giving you 125% on a sign up bonus. For example, that first deposit $100, you're getting an extra 125 bucks. You're using cryptocurrency? That's cool. Enter the promo code SST200. When you do this, you get a 200% sign up bonus on crypto deposits. So if that first crypto deposit is $100, you're getting $200 extra. Those are a look at some of the odds for the weekend brought to you by BetUS, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. All week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show, and that means that we'll be paying attention to, oh, I don't know, the playoff field when it is announced in a month, a month from tomorrow, and we were given a preview of our future college football postseasons this past Tuesday night. We were given a preview of what it could look like, and I got two words to describe it. Mixed bag. The clearest argument against college football expanding to a 12-team playoff would be scheduling a 12-team playoff. Go go look at this year's 12-team playoff. Uh, The way it would work would be teams 5 through 12, of course, play an initial round. The first four seeds get a bye. Well, 5 through 12, they do battle, and those eight are whittled down to four. Then you have an eight-team playoff. The four who survived the opening round, the four who get a bye, got a round of... So you got the opening round. Then you got the round of eight, the round of four, the round of two. Somebody could play an extra game or two. That's that's basically how it's set up. If you will look at the rankings as released by the playoff committee this year, again, the the, the clearest argument that 
I'm not even certain. I'm not even certain what pushback would be right now. Not, not today, and it'll change every week. But one, two, three, and four, again, Georgia, Bama, Michigan State, Oregon, set them to the side. They don't play the opening week. You would start with a 5-12 matchup. Ohio State, I guess, hosting Baylor, even though the bowl committee is like, no, no, send them to neutral sites for Ohio State and Baylor in a game where every player, every coach, every fan, everyone in the media covering that game, every human on earth, hey, what's going to happen between Baylor and Ohio State? Ohio State's going to win. Okay, well, let's put it in a neutral site so that the the only folks who may want, they have to travel, whatever. I don't know what they're going to do with sites, and I don't care. But that would be Ohio State, Baylor. Let's look at the next matchup as a for instance. You would have a Cincinnati, Oklahoma State matchup. That would be the what the six eleven matchup, and I'll I'll use that one and play it out. Now, when I say that the strongest argument against expanding to a twelve team field is to actually schedule the twelve team field, and you look at it, and go, hmm. I am talking from an on field product sort of angle which is not an actual angle, I do acknowledge. I, I'm saying if you expand to 12, look what it does to the on-field product. The folks in the committee are like, oh, that gotcha. They think this is about the on-field product. Um, but let's sketch out the 12-team field as is currently because it's about money. It's not about on-field. We're really going to play an Oklahoma State-Cincinnati game. We're really going to play that football game. To determine who moves on to face first, it would be Michigan State. The winner of which, let's say it's Cincinnati and if other chalk holds, then would play Alabama, then would play Georgia. Do we see how not needed that Cowboys-Bearcats matchup is under a 12-team plan? And do we also see clearly how much more unlikely this setup, this is why it's not needed how much more unlikely this setup makes it for a G5 to actually have a chance. Currently, for Cincinnati to win a national title, what do they got to do? Gird up their loins and beat two monsters. 12-team field would have Cincinnati required to beat an equal, probably, in the first round. Then an almost monster like Michigan State. Then Godzilla and Rodan. Four games straight against top two elite competition, and then you get a title. That's on field, I'm, th- but that's silly because this isn't what it's about. Here's the reality. It's just about money, not on field. So all of the above conversation is just a mental exercise. And I do want to throw in, mo- generating money is not evil. But if that's your motivation, say, hey, we're trying to raise revenue we got to feed this financial monster. Say, we want Cincinnati to have a chance. Just don't say that. Say what it is. G5, they're griping. We can give them more money if we expand. So everything I've said related to on-field, that there's, there's, I want to say, like limited value to that. But it also shows the absurdity. The committee and the commissioners and the presidents and whomever else will be staring at and insisting we just want more kids to have a chance. When that absolutely is not the case about more kids to have a chance because every player 1 through 85 on scholarship at Cincinnati 
this year, what does Cincinnati, and I'm going to park Cincinnati in the four seed. What would the Bearcats, with their best 2021 Cincinnati Bearcats, they've had other undefeated regular seasons. I think they had an undefeated regular season and played Florida in a Sugar Bowl one year, I think. But they've had other great seasons. They've never had anything like this. If they finish it out as undefeated, never had anything like this. And the reason this one's better is because this is a repeat performance of sorts. Cincinnati was good last year. And we've understood that you have to have sort of a ramp up. If you're a have not, like Wake Forest, for instance, Wake Forest have not, have not. They don't even, they're not even in the conversation about have and have not, not in football. Well, this year undefeated, they're number nine in America. They have no advanced billing. They have no heritage, no cachet, no nothing, no panache. So Wake Forest is 8-0, and and they're ranked ninth. Do you know how little it would take for, for me to give you a program that at 8-0 would be ranked far higher than Wake Forest? At 8-0? BYU at 8-0 is ranked higher. I think like a program just out of the ACC Coastal, Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, any of those, right? Because at least there is the opportunity to think that they're not going to lose necessarily to Clemson in the regular season like Wake Forest. So at least you get them out of the Atlantic. It's the advanced billing. So Cincinnati, I'm going to park them into the four seed. What does Cincinnati have to do to win a national championship this year? This year as the four seed under the current setup where there's only four playoff teams – you beat Georgia and you beat the winner of Alabama and Michigan State if these were the rankings. In addition to beating those teams, you would also have to beat Oklahoma State and Alabama to win your national championship. So again, generating revenue, it's not easy. We need it. We need money. But if it's the motivation, all I ask is just go ahead and tell me that, that that's what we're talking about. So that these will be the boats that unfold over the next several weeks. Um, and again, I'm talking about a measuring stick that is not first and foremost. On-field product and the quality of play and our level of interest, et cetera. Now, here's how this is going to work. Because I think that the bowl, the, the, the bowl committee, that's capital B, capital C, that it is the commissioners, the presidents, the CFOs, whomever of each of the bowl games, uh, they have their own organization, and they're clamoring for them to be um, on campus. Excuse me, uh, at bowl sites, not on campus. And I believe they're going to get their way as well. Now, how this uh, affects or actually how this changes the way we do things now, you may not even notice. If the opening rounds, the first two rounds, are actually included as bowl sites, as bowl games, you won't notice. Who will notice is like the Texas State Bobcats, who in a year where the NCAA is going to hand out three waivers for teams with losing records to make a bowl game, Texas State's like, well, hey, wait a minute. We can go to a bowl. Oh, okay, y'all are 6-6. Six and six. They become a commodity. They lose out because there will, be few, there will be some teams taking up two, quote, bowl slots because that's what the bowls want. You win an opening round game in Shreveport. You win a second round game in Memphis. Third round game in Atlanta. Play for the title in Miami. 
That's what they're that that's how this will unfold. Is Cincinnati may they can make three bowl trips in a year if the bowl committee gets their way. So there's a there's a change coming, but we will only notice it because wait a minute, I've already watched Baylor in their bowl game. Yeah, well they won, so now they get a new bowl game. Remember, this was um do you know what you if you were a national champion back, I'll say like, do you remember when LSU and Ohio State played in New Orleans? That would have been January of 08, for instance. You're a national champion. Do you know where they played that night? I think it was still the case. LSU and Ohio State played in the Sugar Bowl. I think Alabama and LSU played in the BCS championship game like five years later. I think that they were both BCS championship game because I'm trying to remember the shirt that I have from that game in my mind, and I think it but did say BCS championship. At, at some point, you were still competing. Like uh, USC, Oklahoma? No, that would have been a bowl game. That absolutely, that was a bowl game. They put them down in the Orange Bowl. USC and Oklahoma played in the Orange Bowl. Um, and then at some point, and it may have been three, four years later, Dan, you may be correct, but at some point in the early OOs, you were still playing. Like if you were finished ranked one and two, you went to a bowl game. Then they realize, wait a minute, why don't we have, for instance, the Orange Bowl in Miami? And then a week later, we'll have a completely different thing and call it the BCS Championship. I think that was the plus one, right? Because Absolutely it, what because, it was. Because it gave oh, you another game. Because 07 was obviously LSU, Ohio State. Remember, that was Colt Brennan in Hawaii against Georgia. Yeah, that was the double hosting loss. Absolutely yeah. what it was. Yeah. So that would, have been, uh, that, would, that would have been the BCS Championship game, the double hosting model. Originally, there were four games, and I, and I guess I will find the year. I didn't look it up, but um, like the Orange Bowl, that was Miami. I mean, excuse me, that was uh, USC and Oklahoma. And then it was, well, we have four games. Hmm, how can we make this even better? Well, let's add a fifth, and we will rotate among these four cities, and you will get a second game. So now we don't have four teams going to the, quote, playoffs or the, the rotation bowls or whatever. Now we've got five games instead of just four well now we're going to have six games and we're going to rotate them because now we have playoffs and so now we're going to go from originally there was one game to then you expanded it and had four games then you had a fifth game then you added a sixth game i mean at this point you're talking like whatever the number is i think it's it's an 11 game playoff or maybe a 13 game playoff when you include the opening round so that's what it's headed to. How are we going to notice it? It's going to look just like bowl season, except we're going to see repeat. We're going to see. wait a minute. You played in Memphis last week. Yeah, well, I get it. Now we're in Greenville. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we will come back, wrap up the show next. Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. There's not a team on this schedule that face in front of Georgia right now that I think, in, and you could say Bama just because of the hump that that, that, that would mean that they would be getting over. Um, but outside of that, I, I, there's not a team on the schedule that I think that would really worry me against this Georgia team. Chris Marler, Saturday down south. Earlier today on this here program, we were talking about the Georgia Bulldogs and their season going forward. And I agree with him on the summary because we were talking regular season. There's only four games left in Georgia. Let me don't tell me uh, who is it? Missouri, Tennessee, uh, layup and tech. 
The layup is Charleston Southern, yes. Char- I was going to say Samford. Somebody has Samford as their November game. Um, Charleston Southern. So it should be a 4-0 month of November for Kirby and everybody yonder in Athens, but that's not what this season is about. It's not even about going 12-0 in the regular season. It's about winning a national championship. It's not about winning the East. It's not about winning the conference. It's about winning big, ugly, black and gold trophy. Now, we have said the word Georgia or Bulldogs or UGA, I don't know, 150 times today because we talked about all the top teams. Every time I have mentioned Georgia today, it has included a bit of an assumption, sort of a fast-forwarding of, and Georgia will be there at one. Georgia does not have a necessarily easy path. Why? Because, in my opinion, they still have a date versus Alabama. And, in my opinion, this defense for Georgia would have to play at its maximum, and that's not nothing, folks, would have to play at its maximum, and the team's running game would have to be near its maximum and no special teams breakdown and no turnover, all of that, for Georgia to win a national championship with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. And that's beating Alabama and I'll say Oregon and Ohio State in three weeks. Boom, 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 three games. It's beating Alabama and then Ohio State and then Oklahoma. Boom, boom, boom. I don't think Georgia does that with Stetson Bennett. I also can't tell you anything about why JT Daniels didn't play even one snap on Saturday in Jacksonville. I thought JT would play just as a matter of course of getting him back on the field so that in November, instead of playing a series in the first half and two in the second half against Florida, he's going to play the second quarter against Missouri or the second half against Missouri. And by the time we get around to Georgia Tech, yeah, JT Daniels is going to be feeling right. That didn't happen. And you not only had opportunities to put JT in because the game was stretched out and it was done, but you kept throwing the ball with Stetson. Dan, that he threw an interception down near the goal line. That thing looked like a punt. Yeah, I mean... And, th- and that's against the Florida team short on corners. I mean, we're talking about Bama... Oregon and Oklahoma in three straight weeks. That ain't happening. No, and and that's the thing, too, is that I've thrown out as a concern. And for the most part, Georgia fans on social media have been receptive to my concern about Stetson Bennett. I get the receiver injuries. That's Mm. all fine and good. But you have to show me that you can throw the football more than 21 times in a game. He's only done that. That's the most he's thrown in a game this season against the team whose sweatshirt you're wearing yeah. right now. Yeah, he um, he's talented. I mean, he's starting at quarterback for the number one team in America. And so raise your hand if you've ever done that. Mm, okay. So that's what Stetson Bennett is doing right now. But the goal wasn't – see, the goal wasn't even beat Florida. The goal wasn't even, he mentioned my against Auburn, and, and, and Stetson had his day that day. Did he have five touchdown passes against, was it uh, UAB maybe? Um, it, it, it just, he's, he has produced, but that's not what the goal is, and, and that is what Kirby has given every indication will be his, um, his approach going forward. Uh, it is the Chuck Oliver Show on a Thursday. Dan will be getting in here in a more formal stand, uh, uh, standpoint in just a couple of minutes. But I do want to mention something that has uh, entered my brain occasionally. And this is – it could be for the NFL and college. Uh, but there was, I'll say, a development 
that happened in the NFL in one fell swoop and then over the years with a lot of college programs. And it's nets in the end zone of the goalpost. And there was a reason that this got brought up. I got a buddy of mine that uh, on Saturdays, I, I forget every season. I'm like, hey, man, uh, what are you doing this uh, weekend, uh, this Saturday? What do you got going on? And he pulls the nets at a football uh, stadium. There's a, there's a college team that, that every Saturday, he's one of the guys who pulls the nets up. Not everybody has nets. A lot of places do. Um, it, first of all, was a cost savings because we're kicking three or four or five or ten footballs in the stadium. And in the NFL, you used to keep them. In college, it was always to throw it back. Um, I, I, got an, I got an idea, and it has to overcome 2021 sensibilities uh, because there is now risk management involved. You want a reason for folks to want to sit in the end zone and thus purchase those seats? And this goes Saturdays and Sundays. Get rid of the nets. Treat a football like you do a baseball going foul. You get to walk home with it. In a league like the NFL where there's endless money anyway, it's not even a concern. Plus, it takes it, it is one instance where you can create souvenirs and a want for your least desirable product all in the same fell swoop. So whatever the cost of the footballs would be, negligible. Rawlings or whoever gives them to you. In college, same sort of thing. Create some souvenirs and a reason. And you create this sort of this personality. We're the end zone crew. We're the, you know, whatever. And it, it is actually sort of an area you decide that you... That's why student sections aren't on the 50. Because you have a built-in reason that someone may... A particular group may want to sit there anyway. So you put it on about the goal line out to about the 25 and about 30 rows up. You, you make the student section share space with the band. Because there is a reason someone would want to sit in that least desirable seat anyway. Well, I'm a student. So I'm going to sit in the student section. Same thing. Give them a chance at a souvenir. Put them in the end zone. You get to go home with a football. Hey, what's that game from? Or what's that ball from? Tennessee game, 1997. Nobody says that. Beginning next Saturday, absolutely everybody could. Uh, again, create some memories. Doesn't cost you anything. Equipment manufacturers give you the football. And there's a reason to purchase and sit in the least desirable seats that you have. It's all about revenue, folks. Trust me, that'll work. What up, Dan? Well, it's not just the students that that's happening to as well. I mean, it's almost on a yearly basis. Hey, guess what, media? We got a nice new spot for you. Absolutely. You are now in the end zone. I'm showing up anyway. You don't, you know, like students are showing up anyway for right. anybody. And I've always, and I've talked about that on the air recently. We brought that up. I always wonder, I was like, why am I sitting on the 48 yard line? Mm-hmm. I'm here for free. Yep. Yep. I mean, you're finding out pretty quickly who people will pay $2,000 for this seat. And I can They're see. They're not going to pay $2,000 for this seat. I can see just fine from the five yard line angled. It's, there you it's go. everybody gripes about it. It's fine. Uh, well, that's pretty much it. I mean, you hit it right on the head. What does the media do? They don't pay money. And then on the sec- a second part of it is, as well they just expect free stuff so that's pretty much it in a nutshell right there and then just look up and see a monitor if you want anything uh, by the way you're right about Stetson Bennett uh, five touchdowns against UAB yeah. and again too the most that he's thrown the football in the game this season 21 times three weeks ago against Auburn so I, it's got to go up and that's the other part of it as well as I pointed to Chuck is the comparison that I make is to a freshman quarterback that you have at Alabama right now and Bryce Young where I think if you do have the Stetson defender on that they're going to say well how many times has Bryce Young thrown the football in the game against Mississippi State a couple of weeks ago he threw it about 28 times in an absolute dismantling of Mississippi State you've at least got to show that the viable nature of the passing game is there and I just don't 
don't believe it when you throw the ball 21, 20, 19 times in a football game, even when you have the game not in doubt. Yeah. That's got to be something that's got to be shown, and especially as you get more receivers back, that is something that definitely, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm going to Todd Munkin and saying, downfield, throws, let's go. Yeah, he's had more uh, running backs clamoring for the ball than receivers, at least with you know a resume who can do that for sure. All right, wraps it up on a Thursday, folks. 22 hours, be back. More college football talk, Chuck Oliver Show. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.